Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. But the reason we were singing the doxology is because for the last month, month and a half, there's a certain statement that's been running through my head. It's been running rampant and I cannot shake it. And it simply is this. It is so easy to overlook the significant in the midst of the mundane or, or in the midst of the familiar. When you take a look at this doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow, I need to be aware that every single good thing that happens to me is because now we're going to jump right into Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It has become the chapter that I read three, four times a day. Because the words have become too familiar, so easy to forget, that sometimes in the midst of my valley, I forget that the shepherd is with me in the midst of the desert when the sun burns down upon us. I forget that he is the cloud that protects. When it is dark outside, I tend to forget that he is the pillar of fire by night. I don't have to worry when it is dark. I don't have to fear when the sun burns down upon me. So it may be familiar, but oh, don't overlook the significance of these words. The Bible says that every scripture that you read from Genesis to Revelation, every word is anointed by God. It has a purpose. It is sent on a mission to work in your life and in my life. It wasn't just written for God to waste paper. God wrote this text down so that you and I in our darkest hour, our happiest moment, we could be reminded that the Lord, I'm going to read it for you from the NIV translation, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. There's nothing quiet about today. You turn on the news and there it is. We're blaming this party, that person, this thing, vaccinated, non-vaccinated, Afghan, no Afghan. Kabul is in a mess. The airport is in a mess. Soldiers are dying left and right. Everybody's pointing fingers. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When peace is lacking, I shall not be in, in, in lack of peace because God is my peace. You know, those who know me, my name is Pastor Rick. I'm the administrative pastor. I'm the hidden one. My office is down the corridor. It's to the right. My door is. I'm there. It's the Green Bay Packers sign. The Lord is my shepherd. I know what I want. No. You know how nervous it is to share? Let me say this, the living word of God. When John teaches the Sunday school class, he teaches the living word of God. He teaches the anointed Word of God. When the ladies get together and the word is being shared, it's the anointed 
word of God. It wasn't written because God had nothing better to do. No, 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 no. God wrote it for our edification so that you and I could grow and have something build up inside of us. So whenever the storms of life come, we won't be tossed hither and yon because we will be led by the guide of guides. Because he guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake, even though I walk in the darkest valley or I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. And we're going to spend some time on verse number five. This is probably, well, right now. I try to read about 60 books a year, and so this may be number 61. But don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Let me say this again. If, if, if you like to read, or even if you don't like to read, and this is the first book in 50 years of your life, and you're going to read a book, get this book. Because the God who puts the scriptures together for you and I, put a table together for you and I, and Satan likes to do nothing more than sneak in on that table and steal your blessing. Your doubts is the enemy. Your fear is the enemy. But God put a table there. I'm getting into the middle of my text, but we'll rewind it. So try to get this book. Read it. It is wonderful. It's delightful. It's an easy read. Giglio is a master writer. Master writer. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare this table in the presence, notice, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. There's the last word. That word is so important and encapsulates everything. It puts the bookends together. It keeps the books in place forever. There is no moving out. When you get born again, you're moving in. When your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, your name is written in the only book that matters. I know this is good, but there's another book far better. It's the book of life, and you're in your name. Your name is in that book. It's written in red. May the 23rd Psalm not only be familiar to us, but may it become important to us. You see, David, before he ever became king, was a shepherd. If you've read through 1 Samuel, then you know the journey. The prophet went looking, checked all the boys out. One man looked really good. He ought to be the one wasn't. Went through all the sons of Jesse, and there he was, a little punk kid, 12, 13 years old, and he was guarding the sheep. Shepherds were never appreciated. You didn't even care if a shepherd died. They were expendable. They couldn't testify in court if their life depended on it. But yet, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, you look at Luke, and who was it? Who was it that came to see baby Jesus after his birth? Who was there? Who were the first ones in line who were privileged by God himself to see his son become flesh? And there he was. It was the shepherds. The sky lit up for them. Whatever man despises, God honors. So when we pray for our friends in Afghanistan, God is on their side. We have a wall of fame over here with our missionaries, and we are a missionary-supporting church, and rightfully so. Most of these flags have a name behind them of missionaries we support. God knows them by name, and God knows the need, and we have been privileged 
I say it again, we have been privileged by the grace of God to support many, many missionary endeavors. So when you stand before God, all of heaven will stand and rise and give you a hand clap because you have been obedient. When you think about 100 years of faithfulness, think about it. 100 years ago, this thing was birthed. This dream of the Son of God that there would be a, a gospel preaching church in this neighborhood was birthed. When a foundation stone of the church was laid, the first one across that street and over here, it is now. It was by God's design. What God has put together, let me say it real loud, let no man, number one, try to put it apart because you can't. God is the glue that holds it together. Where was Moses when the bush burned? It was on the backside of the desert where no one goes. But there he was tending his Jethro sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. Dr. Charles Allen, who is a beloved Methodist minister, tells this story in one of his sermons. And I, I, I stole this from his sermon. I did. I saw this example. I said, this is good. And one day a friend who was, he went to see a doctor. He was a man who was stricken by anxiousness and nervousness, and he wanted some prescriptions. And the doctor said, you need to go see your pastor. I know who he is. You need to see him. You need to counsel with him. And then come back and see me in about two or three weeks. And the man went and saw Dr. Allen, and he said, hey, my, my doctor sent me to you. Uh, to visit with you about my nervousness, my anxiousness. And if you've ever been anxious and that spirit of anxiousness has come into your soul, then you know what this man went through. When you cannot sleep one wing for days on end, when the nights are the longest thing in front of you, then you understand anxiousness. And that anxiousness is from the enemy. Because the enemy desires nothing more than to destroy it and to reach into your heart and into your life and steal the very peace of God. Because where God is, there is the spirit of peace. You have that peace as a gift of God. It is yours from him. That's why when you read the 23rd Psalm, take your time reading it. And Dr. Allen wrote this man. He took out his notepad and he wrote something down. He said, if you went to the doctor, he would give you a script. This is my script. The other day I was talking to a gentleman and I said, you know, you may want to read the 23rd Psalm. Read it several times a day. Dr. Allen said, read it five times a day for the next seven days, then come and see me. Read it when you get up. Read it before or after every meal and before you go to bed, read it again. This man did. And when he came back in seven days, the fear, the anxiousness was gone. You say, well, Rick, that's just simply a story that pastors tell. Well, let me tell you of my anxiousness. This works. Because when he is the foundation, nothing will shake it. The old song simply says this, read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. If I could sing, I would, but I can't, so I'm just going to read it again. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. You see, the power of this psalm is that God is our resource in our darkest hour. And the psalmist certainly knows that, every, that, that a God worth serving is a God worth reading about. You see, until Jesus is enough, 
nothing else will be. Let me read it again. Until Jesus is enough, nothing else will be. Can I share with you a great affirmation? The Lord is my shepherd. Every promise in the psalm hangs upon this particular opening. The Lord is my shepherd. I believe in God. I trust God. God cares for me. God has sent his son for me. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, you're important to God. And what is important is also unique. And what is unique is also valuable. You are the only one that has your fingerprint. And God gave his son, first begotten, that you could spend eternity where he is. That's how important we are. So when we are given the opportunity to pray, pray, storm, storm heaven. Sheep aren't the most, the brightest of animals. They are defenseless. They depend upon the shepherd. In our anxious and nervous world, we do need the Lord as our shepherd. The pandemic, political uncertainty, foreign policy confusion, these are just a few of the things that we're facing today. Man disappoints, but God never does. An affirmation leads to an assertion, I shall not want. Can I share with you, when God is your shepherd, and you have the gift of salvation that's been given to you by God, you lack nothing because you are going to the one place that the enemy was kicked out of. You're going to heaven. You're living in a home not built by human hands. That is your inheritance. Here's what Paul writes to the Philippians. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see, the tragedy of our lives is that we live on the intersection of complaint and regret. That's where we spend our life. Many, many of you know of what Sister Honey has been going through. Sister Honey is my pet name for my wife. She still doesn't know what to call me, but that's okay. At least I found a name for her that fits. But about 18 months ago, Ginny went to a dentist, and uh, he recommended that she take some strong antibiotics. And he uh, gave her a prescription that was 10 times as powerful as it should have been for four times the length that it should have been. She didn't have an infection just in case. You see, bad things happen to good people. And so Ginny and I have daily daily conversations, and sometimes we have regret. And she says, Rick, if I had only not taken this. And I say, Ginny, what will this conversation do? See, I, I, I have become a caregiver, and if those of you who are and have been, then you understand what's going on. Ginny is looking for comfort. I can only give her my words. I want to so bad reach in and take this thing and say, okay, you are done with it. It's my turn, and, and, and you are set free. Last night, we had a good season, good season of prayer. We looked at the 23rd Psalm, and we claimed the promise, Lord, you are. You're not just shepherd. You're the great physician. You know, when you say it enough, either you doubt or you become so ingrained that this is a living word. And sometimes doubt comes in, and that's where we sometimes live. And if you've gone through a chronic illness, then you understand that you have this hope rising inside of you, but then fear comes on. What if this doesn't work? That's just a simple journey that you're going through. But I need you to know, and, and, and Jeannie knows, and 
So when we read this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. He is. So if you're living in the intersection of complaint and regret, change an address. You see, here's what the 23rd Psalm says. When I get tired, you restore my soul. In the valley, when I'm alone and lonesome, you are with me. When I'm anxious, you rot, your staff, they comfort me. When I fear death, I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've been privileged for the last, no, since the pandemic to write. I've been writing about grief. I write for the local newspaper. And I need to tell you this, death is a horrible enemy. Because he doesn't knock, he just walks in and rips and takes. But even in the midst of all this, God is still present. Notice the next verse with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Peace is one of the great themes of the Bible. The scripture calls Jesus not only the good shepherd, but the prince of peace. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. So when Pastor Rowe was talking about this, this missing ingredient, that's a good sermon. But too bad he just preached it. You see, that's the missing ingredient. He is the Prince of Peace. And I want you to, I want you to walk out of this church this, this, this morning or close to the noon hour, knowing that he is your Prince of Peace, that he is your good shepherd, that you have no lack. The enemy puts voices in your head. Boy, if you only had this, you would be a happier person, Rick. No, I wouldn't be. If I just trusted Jesus more, I would be happier. You see, sometimes my mind now, yes, it's a bad thing when you're almost 68. Not the age so much, but the thing that happens. Can't do this. You can't do this. And then you have this other thing called, starts with an R and ends with a T, oh, retirement. And you go from, from income to limited income. And I tell Ginny, so this probably doesn't help her either. I said, babe, I don't want to retire. You know, 95 is a good age to work till. I mean, why give it up? Why stop writing? Why stop doing? Why, why not just keep on going? Whoever came up with this word retirement, it's not in the Bible. Maybe that's why I like the Bible. Because until there's something to do, let's do it. In a couple of weeks when we talk about grandparents, man, got something for you. God has a mission for us as grandparents. And you're going to love it because you're going to be busy. It's awesome being a grandfather. But it's even more awesome being a grandfather who knows the good shepherd. Because there are times when a grandfather and a grandmother doesn't always know what to do for the grands. But the shepherd does. But that's a message for two weeks from now. In the 14th chapter of John, he, Jesus leaves this wonderful legacy. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. What is peace? The absence of problems? No. The absence of pressure? No. Even sometimes being a believer, you will be in the midst of conflict. 
But see, the piece of this 23rd Psalm is predicated on this. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, there are no limits to God. There are limits to us. So God knows when we're tired, when we're weary, when we're worn out, he makes us lay down in green pastures. The shepherd knows our limits. You see, the sheep would be in the field all day, all night. They'd just stand there, eat, do their thing. Lou Holtz, and some of you, if you're a football watcher, fanatic fan, you know who Lou Holtz is. Great football coach. One time he even coached in Minnesota. That's where the statement comes from. After a horrible loss of, of, of the Gophers, he, he went on to say this. You know, God may give us no more than we can handle, but sometimes I think God overestimates my ability. 42 years ago, our son John was diagnosed with a cystic hygroma. That is when the amniotic fluid becomes solid. And on his left ear, behind the ear, right in the middle of a, a nerve, facial nerve that is in the shape of a V, this thing was lodged. It became so big, the size of a full-grown, not pineapple, a, gra a grapefruit. It's like it was stuck under his skin and pushed the ear this way. And we went from one surgeon, one doctor to the other, and one surgeon said, we can operate, but I need to let you know the slightest miscalculation and your son's face on that side will droop severely. He said, I am not sure that you want to take that risk. I am the kind of guy, I'm like my dad, I trust doctors, so you go ahead and cut. Jeannie kicked me underneath the table when we were talking to the doctor, said, no, we won't. First time we ever disagreed. And she said, I believe that God wants to do something. That was the hardest time. You know, between the prayer, Lord, I trust you, and the evidence of the miracle taking place, that's a journey. Some of you have been in that journey. Some of you are in that journey. And every day I would look at my son, and here it was, the grapefruit sticking out of his face. Ear looking like an elephant, ear just stuck way out there. And when it was infected, you could not even talk to him. It was so painful. And Jeannie prayed in faith believing, and I, I just mimicked. I said, Lord, you're in charge. Oh, help my unbelief. Remember that prayer that the man said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. But I'm happy to stand here this morning and share with you that the good shepherd showed up. And slowly this thing began to drain and to dissolve, and it's gone. So I believe in the power of the good shepherd. I believe in the power that he heals. I believe that God leads us beside the still water because that's the place of prayer. That's that moment when everything around us, when we just trust God. The shepherd knows better than anyone that the sheep would drown if they went to the, the rushing water. So he is looking for quiet waters. And sometimes at night is a good time, a good time for us to pray. Be still and know that I am God, he says. You see, prayer, prayer helps us to get our bearings refocused. Prayer is realizing again and again that God is in control in these uncontrollable times. So my question for you this morning is, who is leading you? I hope it's the Good Shepherd. You see, the 23rd Psalm is a roadmap. It is not a globe. 
God touches us where we live. You see, we, we soon discovered that a life worth living is a life worth trusting. It's a life beyond ourselves. You see, a number of years ago, I, had this, I, I preached a sermon entitled, God is, is Beyond Zebra. It was on uh, Good Friday. And I was reading Dr. Zeus's book God, about the letter, the alphabet. Do you know that God is bigger than the letter Z? He has his own alphabet after Z. Mine stops at the letter Z. There is nothing else. But God has far more letters beyond Z. And God is bigger than your greatest need and my greatest need. It's bigger than the need that Ginny is facing right now and the need that you're facing in your life right now. God is bigger. And he said he would be there. He would be with us. You see, peace must be fought for. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. John Wesley once wrote to a friend who was struggling with being called into the ministry, and Wesley simply said this, you spend too much time looking at yourself. You, my friend, need to look up. You see, God is sufficient. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. It's the nature of God to guide. God never condemns. God just comes alongside and he guides us. There's a remarkable arithmetic that God has. And here's what I mean. When you look at Luke chapter 15, it talks about the three parables, the sheep, the coins, and the lost son. The math of God, he will leave 99, this is 99 in, in, in preacher language. God leaves 99 and goes after one. It isn't at all that God is worried about the 99. The thing that is really in his crawl is what is happening to the one? I need to find them. I need to go after them. The 99 are safe. Because he knows what he is doing. But there's that one sheep. His name is Rick. And Rick is always bucking the system, trying to do something else. It's my mind. My mind is just wire crooked. And so God comes after me. You're, you're, you're all immune to this. But God comes after me, and he looks after me. He looks after you because he is concerned that you and I stay in fellowship with him. And sometimes we might think that God is boring, but he is not. The Lord is my shepherd. That's an exciting statement. He leads me where I need to go. He feeds me what I need. He waters me. He takes care of me. I need to be more excited about this God. I need to understand his sufficiency and his wonderful mathematics. The that he's willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. The little girl said it right. The Lord is my shepherd. What more do I want? Isn't God the God of hope? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Have you lately watched a spider? This is the season. I hate spiders. Not as bad as snakes, but I hate spiders. Especially when I don't pay attention. I'm walking out the front door. And we have this little overhang. And there they are, nests. And we just wiped it clean the other day. And there they are again because they are the persistent weavers. So the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a cooking show because it's one of my favorite programs. And Ginny comes and says, hey, Rick, come over here by the door. You got to see this. I said, girlfriend, I'm that's my other nickname. I, I'm watching this cooking show, and I want to see the recipe because this looks really good. You know, when you're on a diet, that's really horrible. I mean, it helps to lose weight. I've lost 43 pounds, and that's good. I'm probably going to put on five at next week's barbecue because when the, I mean, how often do you turn 100? 
And when do you have Mission Barbecue come and cater? And when do you get to eat barbecue? For almost half price. I mean, it only costs $10, and the church picks up the rest. I'm trying to encourage Sister Honey to stay home so I can have more to eat. See how bad I am? That's why I need the good shepherd to chase me down. But there these, she said, come over here. Look at this thing. I just cleaned this nest out of here, and, and there she was. Big spider, big as my thumb. And it was weaving, going back and forth, and doing its thing. Do you ever wonder why spiders do that after you take the nest down? Could be that they're hungry. But I think a spider is filled with hope. If I do this again, maybe a fly will get caught. Because you cannot persuade them otherwise. They will weave and weave and weave until they have what they want. So what is hope? What is the thing that keeps us going when we want to throw in the towel? You see it in your kids. At least you saw it when they were younger. As they went to the Christmas tree, man, their eyes were filled with hope. A number of years ago when I was in, in Bible college, the college was across the park called Elliott Park, and, and we would have a lot of drunks. And they would always ask you for either a quarter or a nickel. Because most college kids don't have money. But they assume that you have at least a nickel. And if you really had it, made you had a quarter. That was back in 71, long time ago. And so I watched him. He was maybe in his early 40s, but he didn't look it. His hair was long and grungy. His beard was filled with stuff, had an oversized coat, and had this brown paper bag with rumpled top, just, you know, in the shape of a bottleneck. And he was asking, but there was no hope in his eyes. Do you know that the Good Shepherd gives us hope? You see, hope is through the certainty of God's presence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Palestine is the country of mountains. It's a country of valleys. And the sun doesn't get every part of the valley. And so when the sheep walk through the shadow of the valley, they have no idea where they're going. They need the shepherd. You see, the shepherd is our good hope. He turns graves into gardens. He takes the bad and makes it good. He takes the failure and makes a success. Hope also comes from the comfort of God's power. Thy wrath, thy, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. The ancient shepherds, they were light travelers. The rod was stuck in the belt. The, the staff was held in their hands. The one was used to defend against the wolf and the bear. Remember David? He wrestled the lion and then killed the bear. That's so he could fight the giant. You see, we go from one crisis to the other. Not that we're glutton for punishment, but God simply uses yesterday's experience to prepare us for tomorrow's troubles. And pastors always go from one crisis to the other. But I need us to know it isn't us. It is God in us. It isn't you. It's God in you. And when John teaches in a couple weeks, it's God in him. Can you hear me? It's God in him that's teaching. When pastor stands here and shares, it's God and pastor that's preaching. 
But here is the verse that just lit, lights up my life. It comes out of here. I want to encourage you, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Here's what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Who put this table there? And God didn't eliminate the enemies. No, 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 no. God takes a table. He puts it right in the middle, surrounded by enemy. Right in the middle of my cancer, God puts it there. My depression, God puts it there. And my anxiety, God puts it there. And then I have this voice that comes alongside of me and says, boy, if you had only done this, you wouldn't have this. And I need to reject that voice because that's the enemy. Who wants to sit at my table? The same enemy who wanted to sit on God's throne now wants to sit at the table that God has set for you. It's your table set there by your God, by the good shepherd. And he bought the groceries. He made the meal. He put the silverware, the napkins. God put the tables in. He put it all together for you. And so when you have anxiety, when you have doubt, you want to murmur, you want to complain, don't do that. That's the voice of the enemy. And God is bigger than my complaint and bigger than my murmuring and bigger than my anxiety. And boy, Jeannie and I go round and round. We have a drag down knockout. Not that we're arguing. I say, girlfriend, please just repeat after me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of this C. diff. And C. diff is very destructive. I just want God to show up. But until he does, you set a table. Can we just say this together? You set a table before me in the presence of my illness, my anxiety, my fear, all my cares. God set a table. And Lucifer, who wanted to sit on the throne of God, now wants to sit at your table. And God didn't let him sit on that throne, and God will help you so he won't sit at your table either. Can you say amen? Because God is watching over us. These are nine words. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. You see, we need that kind of but if not faith. Remember the three Hebrew children? Well, we call them children. I think they were probably young adults. Maybe Dave's age. Where's Dave? There he is. And they were told, when the music plays, you bow down. Then the music played, and they didn't bow. And the king said, come over here. Remember, you've you got to read it. It's, it's, it's in Daniel. I think Daniel chapter 3. And here's what they said. O king, and you're a great king, and you have the power to kill us. But our God is able to deliver us. But if not... Please understand, we will not bow to this God or any of your gods because we belong to the God. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. If you're familiar with Habakkuk chapter 3, then you know it says, And even though the fig trees don't blossom, the grapes aren't hanging on the vine, the stalls are empty. But yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. Sometimes in the midst of my darkest night, I need the but if not kind of faith. To know it, if, you, if you've read Philip Keller's book, the, the 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd's Psalm, then he will tell you on, on, in his book, 
that the upper ranges of the fields during the summer where the, where the sheep were, were called the tableland. And the shepherd would go through the land and he would remove the nauseous weed and, and provide good place for the sheep. But he doesn't always get everything. And sometimes sheep run into the thistles and sometimes they bite each other and sometimes we bite each other. Try not to, it's not a good thing. And then a shepherd at night would take the oil from a flask and he would anoint the sheep. He would put the oil on there to bring healing. And sometimes we're wounded by our own sins and sometimes we get hurt because of what happens in the world. The shepherd didn't scold the sheep. He just took care of them. Because that's the kind of shepherd I want to go through. The kind of shepherd that is willing to leave the 99 and pursue this stubborn German guy and say, Rick, don't. Because right now, for the last 18 months, I tell you this, my mind has been wondering. And maybe yours has too. But if God is worth anything, then he is worth it right now. In the midst of the darkest hour, in the midst of the deepest valley, God is worth it. And he's worth it all. Here's what it says in Habakkuk chapter 3. Let me read the whole, the, the verses and not give you the paraphrase. And then we're almost done. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the, pen, in the pen and cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will, be, I will be joyful in the Lord my Savior. There's a Latin word that our word confidence comes from. It's fides, F-I-D-E-S. And the prefix con means exceedingly. So when you put faith and exceedingly together, we can have an exceedingly great faith in God who is with us. And the Lord is my shepherd. And that's why the last verse of the word of this psalm is simply this, forever. Young girl was telling the story, and I'd like for the worship team to come on back, of, of Enoch and God. And she said, and God and Enoch just walked and walked and walked and walked. And God said, Enoch, it's late. You might as well, you're closer to my house than yours. So come to my house. And that's for us. Because God has a place prepared, not made by human hands, but by his hands. Doesn't that say so in John? Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.